Above Ground Podcast 192. You can't stop me with Sylvester Jenkins the third. Disclaimer. The hosts of this podcast, Will Foley and TPP, are not medical professionals, and this is not medical advice. Both Will and TPP have firsthand experience with mental illness. They have their own perspective and own thoughts on mental health challenges. Above Ground Podcast was birthed to help those who struggle with their mental health through honest dialogue. These conversations aim to break down the walls while building stronger foundations for positive mental health. By speaking openly and sharing tools, they foster connection. By fostering connection, they convey hope. With connection and hope, we can continue to increase awareness. This is Above Ground Podcast. Coming at you live with real conversations about mental health from the perspective, it's time for Above Ground Podcast. Now your hosts, TPP and Will Foley. Hey, what is up, everyone? Welcome to Above Ground Podcast. Above Ground Podcast, because you can't serve below. What up, TPP? Good morning, my friend. How are you this morning? Doing all right. Doing all right. You know, dealing with some dailies, but uh, had some weight lifted, got the book out. Everything's okay. Yes, that's right, man. The book came out this week. Uh, Timmy's book, uh, Never Underestimate the Power of You, has hit Amazon. So please go get a copy. Uh, There'll be a link in show notes. Uh, this morning, we are joined by Sylvester Jenkins III. Uh, Sylvester is an author. He is a bounce back expert, which I could use right about now, a mental health advocate and a retired Army veteran. And thank you for your service, sir. Much appreciated. He turns warriors into warriors, stress into success, and obstacles into opportunities. Timmy, what more do you say to that one, man? Not much. You know, I, I do want to just say that he also teaches us to uh, conquer the battles of adversity with his new book, um, From Combat to Comeback. And I'm just super excited. Um, I started, fo- I don't know how, I just started following him on uh, Facebook and, you know, reading his posts and like, you know, getting into it. And um, the more I, the more I learned about him, the more I liked and got his book. And it's just, I'm like, this, this dude's great. It's right up our alley. It's perfect for the show. Um, so without further ado, Sylvester. Thank you so much, gentlemen. I greatly appreciate this opportunity and this time with you guys, man. I love what you guys are doing, man. Mental health is a big thing and it's well needed in our society today. Agree. Agree. That's why, you know, you got a big voice in it. So, um, I'm like, you're just perfect for this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I just want to kind of just jump right in, um, a little bit. Maybe if you can kind of just give a, um, a brief background, of where you came from, where you're at now, and um, we'll kind of get into it um, more of the emotional resilience type of uh, conversations after we hear a little bit about who Sylvester is. Right, absolutely. So, uh, Sylvester Jenkins III, I uh, I greatly appreciate that will as far as the introduction. Um, hey, congratulations to you, Tim, on on your book. Oh man, that's awesome. That's phenomenal. Welcome to the club of being coming an author. I say for me, I. I'm originally from Columbus, Georgia. I uh, grew up in a low-income, single-parent home, uh, gang of drug-infested neighborhood. Uh, by the age of 13, I had uh, already joined the gang, uh, was robbing and breaking into people's homes, selling drugs, doing drugs, and found myself at a low state in my life. Low self-esteem, uh, abandonment, emotional neglect, uh, just dealing with a lot of things, just trying to find my way and my purpose. Uh, I, uh, I found that gangs became a, a surrogate family for me. 
because I was always looking for that sense of acceptance. And I was just looking for uh, that sense of love because I felt like I didn't have it. Uh, my mother worked tooth and nail. She was always constantly doing everything she could to provide for us. So never got that like that hug or that that, that love that you normally feel from a mother. And um, you know, like I said before, my father wasn't really there, so I never had that male figure in my life. Uh, just going through the motions of dealing with that, I just realized that I never really loved myself. I never really took the opportunity to try to find my way. I always just became numb when it came down to that emotional aspect of myself. And so uh, in, in the process of just trying to find myself, uh, I joined the military, spent 21 years of service in, uh, in the U.S. Army, deployed five times, four times to Iraq, one time to Afghanistan. Uh, after transitioning from there, I was diagnosed with PTSD, anxiety, and depression. So it was kind of hard for me to go from a lot of things that I was commonly used to. You think I went into the military at 19 and, and retired at the age of 40. So this had became like a routine for me as far as having that sense of purpose, direction, and motivation. And now all of a sudden, I'm at home chilling on the couch. So it was kind of difficult for me to uh, make that transition because it was also during the pandemic. So I wasn't able to find like uh, a job in the process of transitioning. So now I got added more added stress on me because I'm a provider. I got a wife and four kids. I was like, man, financially, I was unstable. I didn't really have a, a level of financial literacy. So it just added even more pressure to me as far as everything I was going through. And I just found myself in a sunken place. During the time frame me finding myself in that sunken place, I found myself uh, feeling more worth dead than I was alive because of my insurance. And I wanted to take my own life. But I just felt like um, I just had to develop a sense of uh, spiritual spiritual uh, uh, resilience and emotional resilience. I just had to develop a strong level. And uh, man, I, I, I realized that I lost myself. And when I realized that I lost myself, I said, you tried to be the best husband, the best father, the best leader in the military, but who are you for yourself? And when I asked myself that question, that's when I was like, I lost myself. I need to find out who Sylvester is. I was used to being called dad, baby, or first sergeant, but I wasn't used to being called Sylvester. So I had to find Sylvester. And once I found him, everything just catapulted for me and it brought me to where I am today as an author, uh, an inspirational speaker, a mental health advocate and everything else that I'm doing within the community itself. I got to ask you because coming from the culture you come from, what was it like for your first time to actually advocate for mental health? Because I know that from the culture you come from, I know that mental health isn't viewed the same way. Just like it's not viewed in a lot of cultures the same way. We, we view it in a very negative light. So what was right. it like for you to come out as a mental health advocate when you first started this journey? Uh, it, was, it was very challenging for me. That was a great question, by the way. It, it was very challenging for me because, you know, you deal with the pride, the ego. You feel like you really don't have an issue or a problem. And when it came to me actually confronting that situation, it was kind of like, hey, you got to let go of the steering wheel. You really need some assistance. You need some help. And I'm sure there's other people that need to see that example so they won't be afraid. I'm not no small guy. I'm a, I'm a big guy. You know, so when it comes down to when people see me, they be like, man, ain't nothing wrong with you. You're fine. And no, you know, people fake being okay. They don't fake being depressed. They don't fake, you know, feeling that level of anxiety. So I felt like it was, it was uh, 
uh, major for me to actually step out and do this, but it was kind of difficult and challenging for me initially starting out. Did this st stem from your PTSD as you re-entered into civilian life and discovered that you had, how, what was the discovery of the PTSD and, and did you, was this something that you didn't develop until after you had gotten out and had some time away to really not adjust well? Like, how does this journey kind of take place during all of this? Absolutely. So uh, 2015, when I, when I was stationed in Hawaii, my wife brought it to my attention that, hey, our relationship is starting to have issues and that you're really not present when it comes down to our family. And I was like, I'm fine. But at this time, I was dealing with the numbness or taking away the pain with substance. I was an alcoholic for a long period of time, resorting to just trying to take my mind off the situation that I had to deal with on the job. And when I come back home, I'm just like a bump on the log. I wasn't, you know, inter engaging with my kids. I wasn't, you know, doing all the lovey-dovey things, taking my wife on dates or anything like that. I found myself just trying to uh, release a lot of things that I was dealing with. But my wife had brought it to my attention that like, hey, you're not the same person you used to be. You're not acting how you normally are and you're never here. And I'm like, I'm here all the time. What you mean? And then she was like, no, you're not present. You're not engaging with the kids. All we see you do is just come home, just sit on the couch, drink, and, you know, drink and do other things outside of just being with us. And I was like, man, I'm fine. You know, just in that denial state. She was like, hey, I really think you need to get some help. And, you know, I had too much pride at the time. You don't know what you're talking about. It, it turned into an argument, slept on the couch for a couple of days. But uh, after just taking the opportunity to think about what she had brought to my attention, because, you know, this is my wife. This is my counterpart. She the one that has my six. You know, she got my back. And so I went to sign up for behavioral health. You know, some leaders in the military frowned upon it. I say some. I'm not saying all. But some leaders in the military frown upon that type of stuff. They think you're just trying to get out of work. Don't really want to just be on the job at that present time. But, you know, you really need to seek some type of medical attention when it comes to your behavior. And so I went to behavior health and that's when everything started to shift for me. They uh, uh, put me in programs as far as like exposure therapy, uh, uh, post-traumatic growth. I never heard of it before. But uh, that was something that was very insightful for me, uh, whether it was cognitive therapy. It was, a, it was a lot of things that I was able to uh, learn about the things that I was going through mentally by seeking behavioral health. And it would never happen if I didn't take the opportunity to listen to my wife. Yeah, it's funny. I, I was actually just going to bring that up because you had <clears throat> you had said that your, you know, your wife being you know, like your your counterpart, you know, your partner. And, right. and I think I think that that shows strength on her end. To, to be like, hey, I know who Sylvester is and, and right now this is not this is not the guy. So she could have she could have probably added more fuel to the fire, but I think by the way that she did that was kind of addressing it. I think that that was a, a very positive piece in your your path for sure. Absolutely. I wanted to also quickly touch on kind of going back, you know, you you know, being a big guy and stuff like that, to talk about this stuff is people don't realize, yeah, let's look at Sylvester you know, at a picture and be like, wow, this guy's, you know, big strength, big dude, you know, well-groomed, all this stuff. But they don't realize the strength that it takes to say, hey, you know what? I need some help. I have problems loving myself, so on and so forth. All these different things that that's, as I'm sure you can vouch for, it, it takes some of the most strength in the world to do. Oh, so, 
Absolutely, man. I, I, I think you hit the nail on the head, man. I, I, I felt like um, it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of confidence in order to really, and, and self-love, in order to really take that opportunity to step out and, and, and let it be known that, hey, I got, a, I got an issue at this moment in time. It's not going to hold me down, and I just want what's best for me. A lot of people, they, they, um, they sleep on it. They sleep on themselves. When it comes down, they, they'll give grace and mercy to everybody else but themselves. They beat themselves up thinking about perfectionism and all these other things. Like, I got to be perfect. <laughs> I got to be perfect. I got to get this right. And there's no such thing as perfect. But the main person that the biggest investment that you'll ever make in this world is in yourself. And when you make that investment in yourself, everybody will latch on to it. It'll pour into others. But you got to make sure you give before you can do that to anybody else. Sylvester, has this been a recent insight of yours within the last few years to love yourself? Or where did the when did the self-love become part of your become your mantra, basically? Because that's what I hear in all of your in all of the things that you do is all about learning how to love yourself and then passing on what you've learned. That's what I've kind of gathered from all the stuff that I've read and, and listened to about and, and what Tim's told me about the book. So where did the self-love thing come from? Was it something that you developed or did you lose it at some point that you can pinpoint and get it back? Yeah. So uh, for me, it didn't happen until uh, I got that time to myself during the pandemic. You know, uh, everybody probably looked at the pandemic as far as one of the worst things that ever happened on this earth. But I looked at it as one of the best things that ever happened on this earth. It gave you an opportunity to develop Self-development is one of the biggest things that you can ever do. And I think the pandemic gave us an opportunity to actually be home and take the time to figure out who you are, to give yourself that grace and that mercy, to give yourself that love, that love that you probably didn't have growing up because it's always been inside of you. You just either needed somebody to show it to you or bring it out of you. And the pandemic was that for me. So, Lester, do you th- is there, I, there's probably not one thing, but is there something that may have, uh, kind of kicked you in the ass, so to speak, because knowing, re- you know, listening to your book, knowing your story, right. you could have gone down a very different path. And all these, I know all the, the, the stuff that has happened to you, you could have chose different path, like, you know, anger and resentment. But here you are, like, you know, what did you reach on? What was that thing that you held on to to pull you up to, to kind of be that beacon of light? Right. So I had a pivotal moment for me. You know, we always, I think growing up, uh, we come up with these things called inner vows. Like I would never let this person do me like this again, or I'd never be hurt like this again. It's an inner vow that we make with ourselves. And a lot of times when we make those inner vows, we never take the opportunity to really peel back the onion and figure out where it came from. And it can prevent us from going through other doors that we really need. That's why I always say, like, when you hold on to grudges, your hands are not free to catch your blessings. Because we make those inner vows with ourselves that prevent us. Because I held on to a grudge dealing with my dad not being in my life for a long period of time. And I never, I had a level of resentment and I, and I hated him for it. Because I was like, what prevented you from being a father? This is one of the greatest things you could ever be. And I'm like, what? why is he not in my life? So I found myself fighting with that for a long period of time. And I, I noticed that as I started to let go of those things that was holding me down, because I wanted to fly. I wanted to be free from all the burdens that I ever experienced. 
So I had to let go of all that unnecessary baggage. And it, the pivotal moment for me, though, was when I lost my mother. My mother passed away uh, in 2019, like uh, September of 2019, she passed away. And that was the, the biggest influence I ever had in my life. And so I retired like uh, in March of 2020. And all I ever wanted was for my mother to tell me that she was proud of me. Uh, that's all. I, that's all I ever wanted. I like, uh, you know, job well done. Give me a big hug, kiss on the cheek, and tell me I'm so proud of you, baby. Because I always wanted to make her proud. Just going through the motions. If you know my background, you read my story. You can see like where she was a a, a powerhouse in my life. And um, to never experience that, it like um, changed my whole paradigm. Because I said, now that she's gone. I got to take the reign dealing with my kids because I want them to see the blueprint. I want them to know what they're capable of doing, what they're able to do, and then just continue to change the narrative as far as where I came from and where they could be. So that was like the pivotal moment for me to catapult me into the direction that I am today. How much of the discipline from being in the military for all those years do you equate with the ability to be mentally resilient? I think uh, the military provides you with that structure and that discipline. Um, but at the same time, the level of resilience that I developed was something that I just wanted. It wasn't the discipline behind it. You know, when you have a passion for something, it's easy for you to be consistent behind doing it. And I had st developed a strong level of love for resilience because I knew the effects that it had. Because when I seen the results from it, as far because I never had any clue what resilience was, I never had any clue of the the power of resilience, the different types of uh, things dealing with resilience. But once I learned it, and I was actually able to apply it and see the results from it, I was like, man, I, this is it right here. I don't want to know nothing else. If I find myself in a predicament, I want to be able to bounce back like a tennis ball. So, was there a period in your life that you had to sit down and say, okay, I need to ask myself some different questions to figure out where my head is at? I wanted to say this because obviously coming from the background that you had, your resilience was was a steadfast and concrete drilled because of where you come from, right? because of the obstacles that you face. So resilience was never an idea to you. It was just a way of life because that's how you had to survive. Right. So, so we don't, and, and when you're, when you survive that way, you don't look at resilience the same way. So I think what I wanted to know is where was the time that the question started to arise for you? Was it really just recently as the pandemic to sit down and say, I need to ask myself better questions as to where I'm at? Or did this start? Because the self-development didn't just happen in the last couple of years. You were clearly on a path of that your whole entire life. Right. So I'm just trying to figure out where those questions started to arise from you. Was it... Oh no. So, okay. That's, I get, I understand now. So, uh, for me, I went through a traumatic divorce, um, while I was, uh, coming back from Iraq, uh, my third deployment to Iraq, I went through a acrimonious divorce, came back home to nothing. I uh, found myself contemplating suicide, wanted to take my own life. Uh, at that, at that moment, I had a conversation with God. I'll be honest with you. Um, I had a fifth of Palmer son, almost done i just got i said once i get done smoking this cigarette i had a 38 right next to me i said once i get done smoking this cigarette that's it uh 
And I really had a conversation. I felt like I heard from God and he asked me, do you really want this? Do you really want to take your life? Because I, I had a child at that time, my, uh, my first son. And uh, it seemed like he told me, he's like, hey, do you really want this? He's like, I give you free will to do whatever you want to do. Don't get it twisted. Like, you have the mind frame to do whatever you want to do, but is this something that you really want to do? Because if you kill yourself, your son will end up the same way you did, without a father. And, uh, and I was like, man, I really don't want that. But then I also thought about, like, how I felt on the inside dealing with my life. And my house was trash. Because, you know, I was just, I just wake up in the morning, go to work, come back. And, you know, when it came down to the dishes in the sink, uh, dirty floors, beer bottles all over the, all over the floor, you know, trash, whatever it might be. My house was trash, completely trash. And the way my house looked on the inside is the way I felt on, I mean, the way my house looked on the inside is the way I felt on the inside of my life. And after I had that talk with God and I, and I found myself uh, recontemplating my life in general, I immediately went to cleaning my house. I felt like that was the biggest step I could have ever did as far as uh, working on my self-development and starting to take those steps to, uh, to love myself because I realized at that moment that nothing was going to change unless I did it. Nothing was going to happen unless I made the first step. And that's when I like, you, you start to develop that sense of confidence. When you do one thing to the next thing and you see success behind it, your, your, uh, your confidence and your courage start to develop and grow. So that's what happened for me. That was the uh, another pivotal moment for me in developing that level of resilience and wanting no more. And I also took the class while I was in the military too. So that was uh, to learn, uh, to gain that knowledge, but to have the wisdom to go with it is a whole nother level, whole nother level. Yeah, you have to be willing to be able to jump on that wave, man, and ride that out and trust, you know? And yeah. I mean, that, so, your, so your faith, Kind of. So I would say that you have some faith in in God or whatever it is that you yeah. worship or or pray to, yes. or however it is. Awesome, man! Wow, dude, that is quite the story, though. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, these, these, I'm so excited. These, these conversations, I, I think, are some of the most important. Like here, you know, hearing you with your vulnerability. And sharing what you're sharing with us is so important to all of this. So, so first off, just thank you again for 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 sharing because this is just so it's so needed. You know, we need to talk right. about this. You know, we need to share these stories so that other people can hear and go, "Hey, you know what? I, I feel the way that that guy feels. I, I can relate to that story." You know? Right. Um, do you think? Is there a difference between emotional resistance and mental toughness, or is maybe emotional resistance the beginning of mental toughness? You mean uh, resilience, uh, emotional resilience, or emotion? Yeah, emotional resilience. Is that okay? Okay, I thought you said resistance. I was like, uh, <laughs> no, uh, I know that's not in your. I know that's not in your vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think. There is a, a difference between the two. I think um, emotional, I think emotion, I call, I, I'm more of a, a emotional intelligence type of guy. Uh, you know, having that self-mastery, you know, really knowing yourself, the, the triggers that cause you to put you in states that you don't want to be in. And, um, and so when it comes down to that, that level of emotional resilience, 
and then going into the mental toughness, I feel like uh, one thing leads to the next. It's all connected in some type of way because, you know, your thoughts drive your emotions and your emotions drive your behavior, which affects your performance. So I feel like when you develop that sense of mental toughness to be able to um, change your perception, dealing with a lot of things that you see in life, because I think there's a, uh, I'm an optimist. So I think there's some good in a lot of things that goes on in the world. So I don't let it uh, play on my behavior or my emotions as far as me uh, viewing things, because everybody is entitled to their opinion. It's, you're not gonna be for everybody. You know, everybody won't like you. So some people are gonna hate on you and you can, you can sit there and let it get the best of you. Or you can sit there and be like, okay, you're entitled to your opinion. That's just what you think. So, you know, sometimes you let people uh, get in your head and then all of a sudden you get angry, your emotions start to play, and then you throw it off. You can't concentrate. You can't focus. That's why you have to develop that level of emotional resilience and also that emotional intelligence to know when people are trying to do that to you. So I think it all works together in some type of way. Yeah, I agree. I was just curious on your take. Just uh, again, after listening to the book, you want to you want to you want to ask the person that's been through all this stuff, right. their take on it, and you know maybe some of the steps they took towards it. Just so, oh man, uh, I got know. a couple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let us have, you know give give us a couple, man. Give our listeners a little uh, a little um, insight, I guess, on on how Sylvester does it. Okay, so. Uh, I think everybody needs to develop a level of self-worth, right? I think everybody needs to really take an opportunity and realize how much you love yourself. Ask yourself that, that, uh, that question, that pivotal question, like, who are you for yourself? Everybody has an opportunity where they're trying to be the best employee, go out here and sacrifice and go above and beyond for everybody else but themselves. They don't give themselves the grace or the opportunity that they might give everybody else. But I say, you know, you have to uh, practice positive and compassionate self-talks. You know, you really have to tell yourself, don't tell yourself I'm always late. This is probably not true. You know what I'm saying? You're not always late for work. So you got to change your verbiage sometimes. Just say you're getting better at times. You know, speak it into existence. And then treat yourself like you treat your friends. Like, if I talk to myself the same way I talk to my friends, I probably wouldn't have no friends, right? So you want to watch how you talk to yourself because your brain is soaking up everything that you're saying. And then also accept your imperfections and just have a level of empathy, man. I think empathy goes a long way. Empathy goes a long way. And some people, they don't take the opportunity to find out who they are in, on the inside, man. But I promise you, what you start to display once you do a couple of these things that I just suggested, it will start to show on the outside. Because once you really love yourself, nobody else will love you the way you want to be loved unless you love yourself first. So I believe that you have to develop that level of self-worth and it starts on the inside and then it'll just work its way around you. Everything will shift, everything will change because your perception truly affects your performance. And due to that, you become a prisoner or you can become a powerhouse by your perception and how you view things. Thank you very much for sharing that, man. That was incredible insight right there. Wow. You're welcome. You're welcome. I got I I was in, I'm interested to ask you um you said you went through a really really bad acrimonious divorce and stuff and that mm -hmm. can that can really destroy your your self-esteem and your confidence and ability to bounce to bounce back so I'm 
I know that a lot of this obviously has played into that bounce back, but was there, what do you remember that first pivotal moment in the fact that you started to realize you were bouncing back? Uh, honestly, I think it was, uh, for me, it was, uh, I was at Fort Jackson, South Carolina, and I was, um, I was a, a AIT platoon sergeant at that time, which means it was like, a, I was like a drill sergeant, right? And once I started to have an influence on soldiers to start to get other people in, involved, you know, when I had to like be that, that example and had to influence people to, you know, uh, be, be their best. I had to be the best for them, even when I wasn't the best for myself. And when I noticed how like certain obstacles that I ran into, I was still trying to do everything in my power to be able to be successful for them and really take the opportunity to learn more, to develop more and unlearn a lot of bad habits that I initially had. That's when I realized that like, oh snap, <laughs> you know, <laughs> everything started, you know, I started going back to school for my degree. I started to, you know, really uh, up my level of um, physical fitness. Uh, like in instead of just doing it with the military, I was doing it on my own as well. And when I started to like try to figure out like more on leadership and try to figure out more dealing with like uh, some of the things of how to communicate with others. Oh, man, that's when it really hit me that like. You're not just investing in them, but you're investing in yourself as well. You're trying to be not only better for them, but better for yourself so you can be better for everyone else. So it was that was a, a pivotal moment for me right there. Well, you you truly show the great humility of a great leader by by expressing the by the way you express that. And I must say that, man, that's like Thank incredible you. vulnerability. So the, it's great humility to hear a leader say that, especially one that's that has the pedigree that you have. Thank you. Thank you so much. I greatly appreciate that. Man, I'm telling you, man, y'all guys are amping me up right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you're amping yourself up. This is all these are all this is your story, man. And we're just helping, you know, share it because I, I've heard it and it's. You know, these again, <clears throat> these are the stories that people need to hear. You know, it, it's not necessarily about your conditions, it's about your decisions. Right, right. You're you're living proof. You are living proof and you keep moving forward. And it's like it's inspirational. You know, it's like you hear again, you hear all these hurdles that you had to come over. Right. You know, and then and then and then you're like in the story, you're you hear this and you're like, Wow, yeah, all right, finally he's you know, he's graduating, he's he's doing this, and then your, the tragic with your mom passed away and right. it's like another hurdle and it's just like man, right I, I i'm like when is this guy gonna get a break <laughs> yeah i felt like that yeah i bet you did i mean this is just a reader li that's listening to us so i can't imagine what you were going through but but again the inspiration because you you continued you it's like again you you could have easily just threw your hands up and like said you know what screw this, you know, it's this and, and blame people for that. And, right. but you move forward and it's, I don't know if it's just huge, man. It's just so Thank huge. Thank you. I kind of let my, uh, my mess be my mentor. It kind of, you know, guided me in the direction of where I just wanted to, um, get that breath of fresh air to be able to stand up and, and breathe life, not only in myself, but into others as well, because I'm not the only one going through this. You know, that that is kind of like my why, um, just to be able to 
make it through this, you know, and uh, be able to pour in the other. You know, like they said, uh, anytime that you go on a plane, you need to don your mask before you help anybody else. So I done my mask. I'm at a point where I'm able to, you know, sustain breath, and now I want to help somebody else. So that's the point that I'm at dealing with everything that I'm going to, dealing with. So it's not about the where, it's about the why. Do you think that just hearing that story, you know, as, you know, being like the drill sergeant and, and instructing people and helping people kind of accomplish, is that, was that more of, did you kind of see it in that and go, you know, did that, you may have had the spark before, but then that kind of lit it? Yes. Did that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I had, a, uh, like, I never thought I could be a leader at no point in time. It wasn't in my train of thought. I joined the military just looking for a purpose and structure. I thought I would just go go through the motions of just, you know, being a soldier. And then there's a huge difference between a manager and a leader. Let me just say that by far. It's a huge difference. But when it came down to me uh, realizing what a leader was and feeling as though I had what it took in order to be a leader, it was a mom on my third deployment to Iraq that let me know that she gave me that 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 gave me that trust with her child because you know you can't promise a life she came to me and she asked me she said uh please bring my son back home safe when she when she asked me that she tugged on my shirt came over to me you know we was having a big conversation her son was speaking highly of me right before we got on this plane and then all of a sudden she pulled me to the side and she told me that she said please take care of my son and bring him back home safe now this is the person who gave life to this birthed this child, you know what I'm saying? Now she is bestowing that upon me, you know, going into this country. And that's something I can't promise. I can't sit here and say, I can bring your, home, your son back home safe or anything like that. But for her to sit there and ask me that, it's like, you know, she trusts me. And when you got other people that you never had any true experience with, for them to hear or get validated from somebody else to say that, hey, this is a great guy. I love everything about him, what he's doing. I've learned so much from him. And for their parents to hear that, and then they be like, hey, I trust you. Please bring my son back home safe. It's like, golly, I don't know if I could do this. But that kind of made me want to, you know, do the best I could because I know somebody is counting on me. Somebody believed in me more than I believed in myself. So now I got to go out here and try to do the best I can in order not for just you know, uh, them, but then, you know, just my, 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 uh, my company as well, because I'm an asset. I feel like I'm an asset now. Let me figure out what I can do in order to remain an asset and try to do the best I can, not only for my organization, but my soldiers as well. Do you think that doing those little, uh, I don't want to say little, but doing those different, um, steps, like helping people out and then, you know, accomplishing these little goals, did that help, you know, just kind of, was that like the the staircase, so to speak? Yeah, yeah. I I'm glad you said staircase because there's no such thing as an elevator, man. No, there's not. No. <laughs> Everybody got to take the stairs, right? So, uh, yeah, I think I think in no way uh, it it is. I think everybody feels great at some capacity when they serve others. You know, when you give when you give to others in some type of way, when you know you're giving back to a great cause. When you're fulfilling the requirements of what you've been blessed with or the opportunities that you have to pay it forward to others, man, it's such a huge feeling that you can never describe because it's always overwhelming the next time you do it and it becomes bigger and bigger. So when you set those small goals and then you start to escalate to bigger goals, it just, you know, catapults you to a whole different realm 
of feeling that like, hey, this ain't bad. You know, I got what it takes. I got the juice. I can do this, you know. So it just develops that confidence. It just gives you a, a feeling of overwhelming, a joy. It's just one thing until the next, man. And I think everybody needs to figure that out. Uh, what's, what they're passionate about, dealing with their principles, their passion, and their purpose. And I think once you do those three things, man, you can just take off like a skyrocket. What were, can you repeat those three things? What was the principle? Yeah, so your passion, your principles, and your purpose. So what, what are you passionate about? Like, what things are you really uh, interested in? What, what sparks that fire in you? And then when you think about your principles, like, what are your values? What are your morals? That, think about that moral compass, you know? Think about those things. So I always feel like if it's not illegal, unethical, and immoral, you know, it can be some type of, you know, uh, advantage to not affecting my principles. And then also just what, what your purpose is. You know, everybody was created on purpose for a purpose. It's all about you figuring out what that purpose is. And when you collaborate all these three things together and what you do in line with this, man, I think it'll put you in such a position where you feel like, oh, this is it right here. You know, your uh, your, your brains will, will go off. The spider senses will go off whenever you find yourself in those situations. Yeah, the bats will clear out of the bat out of the cave. <laughs> Bruce Wayne will stand there and in its all its glory. Wow. I do. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Sylvester, thank you so much, man, for sharing all this with us, man. It's been it's it's been incredible to share this this time with you, man. Um, SylvesterJenkins.com is your website, correct? Correct. Um, anything coming up for you? Is there anything that we want to that we want to pimp out? Do you have any workshops coming up? Um, are you currently on any booking engagements? Are you what are you working on currently right now? So what I'm working on currently right now is dealing with like a mentorship program for like uh, middle school and high school kids. Uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of uh, kids out there. I find myself in a position, man, where I'm trying to provide them with a GPS. Uh, you know, just trying to be that avatar that I wish I had during the time frame of me developing, growing. Because, you know, this is the pivotal stages for them as far as when it comes down to this thing called life. A lot of them, once they transition from middle school to high school, it's a whole new world for them. And they got to deal with a whole new battle. So in order to provide them with that, uh, the strategy needed in order to make it through, to know that, you know, um, that you're not going to be everybody cup of tea. The, to, to let them know that, like, hey, your best won't always be your best. It won't look the same every day. To provide them that level of resilience and to not beat themselves up whenever they find themselves uh, not being with the, the popular kids and all those things. So I'm working on a mentorship program dealing with that out here in the state of, uh, of Tennessee uh, in order to progress. I'm working with a lot of organizations, big brothers, big sisters, uh, uh with the mental, I mean, the Military Veterans Association, a couple of orga other organizations, man, to try and develop this program for, for the youth out here in uh, Clarksville, Tennessee. Incredible work, man. Thank you very Thank much you. for all the things that you're doing, man. That's incredible. That's awesome. I appreciate it. I appreciate you, gentlemen, man, for the opportunity, the time. Tim, I, I greatly appreciate you saying, uh, even thinking that I was good for the show or that I can bring some insight and value. Will, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to, you know, uh, set and arrange everything, man. It's, it's just been a blessing and an honor to be on your guys' podcast. Thank you. I mean, we we talk about this stuff so often, and, um, you know, it's just great to hear another perspective of it. You know, right. to have you come on and share 
what worked for you and, and your, your, your steps to this and, and how you kind of gained that mental toughness is, again, it's just, it's more inspiration for somebody. It's, it's, it's a hand you're, you're, you're taking out your hand for somebody to, to grab and say, Hey, you know what? This guy's story can help me accomplish this. Right. And there's, there's really no greater gift in this world than that. So. Right. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Yeah. So we usually kind of wrap it up with um, three questions. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of alter my first question a bit for you just because I don't know. You're just, you're just this, uh, you know, again, this beacon of hope. Um, so I'm curious to know what is Sylvester's greatest achievement? Uh, my greatest achievement is um, just learning myself figuring out who I was. That's my greatest achievement, man. Like I can sit here and say my children, my career and my degrees and all these other things. But I think learning who I was, was the greatest thing I could ever do. The next question is what is the tool that you go to the most for you, for your own mental tool shed? What is the tool that you use the most or, or what is the, the, a, a method or a thought that you go to the most when you are, when you need to sharpen your tool a little bit, you're not feeling as you're not feeling a hundred percent. Right. Oh uh, man, that's a, that's a great question. And I would, I would have to say for me due to uh, my, uh, my spiritual background, I would have to say the Bible. I, you know, I, I think there's multiple scriptures that can uh, put you in the right state of mind uh, because the Bible says, do not be conformed to the ways of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, which means you have to continue to, you know, dive in deep when it comes down to your mental state, uh, because what you turn into, you turn into. So you got to watch what you watch. You got to listen, make sure you pay attention to what you listen to. You got to use that subconscious mind a whole lot more. So just transform your mind and renew it all the time. That's awesome. I just got to, I got to write that down. What you, what you tune into you turn into you turn into excellent yeah that's killer right there right that is a killer line right there yeah that's yeah that's that's awesome man that's the mic drop for sure that's a good one <laughs> you know it's because you never hear it in that i guess we we talk again we say these things but not in this it, from this angle so, so right. to hear it hear it put that way is uh it's obviously it's you know what we consume is is a part of of it you know it all it's there's so many variables to this. And if, like you said, if you sit in front of the TV and consume, you know, shitty food and shitty information and right. neg negative this and negative that, that's, that's what you're going to see. That's what, yep. That's what it's going to yeah. come out. So yeah, that's awesome. I love that. So the last question is if there was something that you could do or that you would like to see done for mental health as a whole without any restraint, what would it be? Uh, just enforcing organizations. I think, uh, you know, just I'm talking about like really enforced. It's not a volunteer basis. It's something that has to happen. You know, I think a lot of times people volunteer like, hey, you got to go like they suggest it, but they don't enforce it. I think it, it should be an enforced based something that we need uh, on a quarterly basis. You know, just going in there and doing an evaluation, doing a health check. You know, we have World Mental Health Day. How many people actually go check on their mental health whenever we do it? You, you think about that. We speak highly of it, but how much of it is enforced for us to do? We enforce making sure that you get uh, car insurance, home insurance, 
but how much do we spend as far as making sure we spend that in insurance on ourselves? You know, mental health is one of the biggest things. Mental health is health. So I think that should be enforced across the board in organizations, schools, or whatever it might be. That's right. Oh, everyone, absolutely. Everyone absolutely. has mental health. Not everyone has mental illness, man. Yeah. That's, absolutely. Sylvester, why do you, why do you think that, um, you know, just with that question, that answer of yours kind of sparked another question. Why do you think some people don't invest in themselves? Why don't they look in the mirror and take the time to say, hey, you know what? Uh, let, let me see what's going on with me and maybe I can improve. Yeah, I think it's more of the fear, the fear of what people would think, the fear of what society portrays, dealing with that stuff, man. They uh, they find themselves at a position where they, they, they're more concerned about what they got on the outside than what they have on the inside. They're more concerned about what they have on the top of their head compared to what's going on inside of their head. And, you know, society portrays this, man, and you don't hear people speaking highly about mental health. I mean, like, you got, oh, man, you, you got what PTSD? All the movies that you see dealing with PTSD is people that are turning on, uh, like, attacking people or waking up, you know, doing crazy things, man. And it's not all about that. You know, you got to, I want you to share light dealing with the situation, but then at the same time, show the help that they can get in order to make these things happen, man. Don't just show the bad side. Show the good behind it, too, because everybody don't suffer for a high level of PTSD. Everybody don't suffer from a, a great state of depression, but it's there. You know, it starts from one thing, and then it grows bigger. It's like that snowball effect. As it starts to go down, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But if we catch it early, we can stop it from happening. And I think that has to do with the way society portrays mental illness, mental health, and everything else. Fully agree. Well said. Absolutely. Yeah. Sylvester, thank you so much, man, for taking your busy morning and, and spending it with us, man. It has been an honor. It has been awesome talking to you, sir. I, yes, I can't, I cannot like you got me all like I, you're, you're a hype track, man. I got to get your audio book now. I appreciate you gentlemen so very much. I mean, like not just for this opportunity in this podcast, but just for everything that you guys do. Because what you guys are doing are spreading well-needed information. You're helping others in so many ways, man. Those people that like find themselves in a position where they don't want to speak out, they don't find themselves in a position where they can step up to the plate, are really finding use by y'all, you guys' podcast to be able to like, okay, I can make it through this. I can get through this. All right, this is some of the things that I could do. So thank you so much for what you guys do. Yeah, we appreciate that, man, very much, very much, very. Yeah, helpful. absolutely. It's and hard. it's not easy to start a podcast, neither. No. <laughs> We've been doing this for almost four years, too. Man. We're almost up to our fourth year anniversary. By the time your episode drops, we'll be well on the way to um, to four years. Wow! Congratulations, gentlemen. Thanks, man. And you you have a you have a you have a lifelong um, invite back. So oh, yeah, anytime you you're so working good. on anything, or if you're ever in this neck of the woods. When you're out on, you know, if you're out speaking somewhere and you're right. close to us, man, we would love to meet up. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I, look, I look forward to it. You guys drink coffee or anything? Absolutely, man. That's okay. all I drink. <laughs> that sounds good, man. I, I definitely appreciate the invite, man. And I would look forward to sitting down with you guys and just, you know, conversate even more face to face. I just think for the group, man, in general, just anybody that's listening, just take an opportunity to give yourself grace and mercy. Know there's no such thing as perfection. Know that you was created on purpose for a purpose. And that if you're going to invest in anything, invest in yourself. 
because that's the greatest investment you will ever make. The world don't owe you nothing, but you owe yourself everything. So give it to yourself, man. You're entitled to it. Wow. Now there's wow. a mic drop that, right there. That, yeah, I know. There yeah, it is. I mean, so can't, can't really say anything much for that, right? No, you cannot. So get well. <laughs> Be safe. Stay <laughs> above. above. <laughs> Thank you for giving us a listen. New episodes every Wednesday. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, you can share, rate, review, and even subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Other ways to support the show? Follow us on social media. Share the content. Share our episodes. You can also buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash above ground pod. For further concerns, show ideas, or just to say hi, you can email us at abovegroundpodcast at gmail. Once again, thank you for listening and supporting mental health. Keep the conversation going and stay above.